If you're tuning in now and you haven't listened to episode two, this is a continuation, part two of episode two. So if you want to hear about the poly origin story of Alex and Podcast God, go check out episode two and then come right back to this one. Thanks for listening. We Hey, and welcome to Enemies to Lovers, the podcast where Alex and Shay, two former college roommates who used to hate each other, and now we're lovers and business partners. This podcast explores dating, polyamory, and ethical non-monogamy. We also feature guests who will ask us questions and share their own personal experiences. So keep an open mind. Please subscribe. And as always, stay Stay curious. curious. Enemies to Lovers. Let's jump right in. Our origin stories. And now, moving on to Shay's origin story. Mine's a bit less involved than yours because I did not enter Polly in a relationship. Mm -hmm. So I did not have to negotiate with a partner opening up the relationship Mm -hmm. or challenging them on the idea of monogamy. But I did when I was... In college, I dated a guy for three years, and it was a pretty serious, like, long-term relationship. We were thinking of, like, me moving to wherever he ended up getting a job at. Mm. And and the relationship did not work out. It was long distance. And it was long distance. There are very few relationships that survive long distance. Yours worked out. I don't know how. Good good job. (laughs) No (laughs) way. Podcast club would like to say cheating. Not recommended. Not recommended, but seems to have worked out for us. But when we were together, we never had sex. Like, I was a virgin after that relationship. I was a virgin into my, like, early 20s. So when we were... Which is hilarious. (laughs) When we were together, I actually did bring up the idea of polyamory. Interesting. I was familiar with the concept by that point because... I'm going to admit something really cringy. Um, I read a lot of fan fiction as a kid. <laughs> and I also wrote some. I mean, that makes sense. You're a Tumblr kid. Yes, I am a Tumblr kid. And I would like to say yes, but also I don't do that anymore. Thank you. <laughs> I know some people who do, and they're still on Tumblr too. But um, uh, We're such millennials. There was the concept of like polyamorous ships. They would ship three characters together or four or whatever i don't actually remember what like fandoms i was reading at the time but like i was like okay this is like a thing and i brought up the idea of opening up the relationship to bagel all the time because we were long distance and i realized he was not very fond of physical affection Mm -hmm. regardless of the fact that we didn't have sex Mm -hmm. like the first time i held his hand he just looked at me and was like why are you doing that (laughs) which is very don't date engineers, man. <laughs> Kidding. These two are both engineers. I can't make fun. But um <laughs> But yeah, I think I he was super opposed to it. Yeah. Funnily enough, he's now into ENM. So, you know. We have corrupted him successfully. The there's a real like pipeline anymore. from like our university to whatever the fuck we ended up being. <laughs> That's true, actually. Yeah. I mean, I kind of brought it up sort of as like a stopgap measure while we were 
separated mm-hmm. i didn't like think of like seriously dating another person but i was like because we had been together for the majority of our late teens and early 20s mm-hmm. much like how you were like oh i want to explore dating with other people mm-hmm. besides just podcast god after that relationship ended i was single for i mean i'm still single <laughs> I've casually dated and like I've been in like some like short term relationships for like a year or two, mm-hmm. but I haven't been in a relationship as serious as yours. Mm-hmm. I got on Field where a friend, app. yes, it's a dating app. It's targeted towards like people who are AM and Polly and Kink. Mm-hmm. I had joined Field on the recommendation of a More friend. Dating app. Yes. A friend I recommended it to me. Mm-hmm. We had hooked up on. Her wedding night. Ah! This was consented by her, her husband. Oh he, my God. he was involved. But, um, <laughs> wait, this is juicy. I've never heard this story. Anyways, I got on field. I matched with a few people in the King community and they were all poly. Mm-hmm. And like, one of them is still like an occasional play partner. Mm-hmm. I asked him so many questions. I was like, what the fuck is kitchen table? What is so this? Wholesome. What's a secondary? And he was so patient. He answered like 5,000 Discord messages of me being confused <laughs> by all the terms. That's Literally. So awesome. There are so many terms. The, the barrier of entry is stuff. learning a dictionary. Yes. <laughs> and then I matched with my uh, now former partner. And he had been like, hey, my wife and I are Polly. And we date separately and like Mm -hmm. just to let you know and i was like actually maybe i don't care about monogamy Mm -hmm. because like she was very cool and very chill Mm -hmm. and at that time i was coming off like a friendship incident that like really pissed me off Mm. i was friends with this guy for like a year like more than a year and i thought we were like legit friends and we went on like one date at the beginning and i told him at the end of the day i'm like i'm not interested this mm-hmm. is not gonna go anywhere and he's like okay yeah we can be friends so we would like get brunch every now and then mm-hmm. and then he like proposed to his now wife mm-hmm. and i think he told her at one point we were when we were both single that we had like briefly talked about becoming like friends with benefits or hooking up. we never did anything mm-hmm. i don't think i ever even like hugged this man yeah but like I guess he told his wife at some point that this was, like, we had discussed this. Literally, I think we discussed it for, like, five minutes total, like, ever. And then he told his wife this, and I did not get invited to the wedding. And he told someone else to tell me that I was not invited. That's so shady. So, at this point, I was like, as long as your wife is fucking cool with this, okay, I'll date you. And then going into, like, Polly has been like very enlightening for me as someone who's always placed like a lot more value on my friendships than my romantic relationships mm-hmm. i really really hate it when people are like i'm in a romantic relationship now like i'm gonna ignore my friends yes that pisses me off so much yeah which sure. is why i also like being I think, stuck in the dick sand we call it dick sand i'm adding that oh my god that's <laughs> in my lexicon now dick sand amazing <laughs> but I totally get that, like, monogamous relationships don't necessarily include, like, that amount of, like, toxic codependency where, like, you don't have friends, you only hang out with each other. Yeah. 
I, w- I would say not all monogamous relationships are like that, but a good chunk of them are. A lot of them are. Attached and at the hip. I would even go as far to say as someone who does not really consider myself like hierarchical, like I would put my friendships and like my romantic relationships mm-hmm. on the same level. It's just different kinds of It's just a different thing. Yeah. I- I'm pretty close to that, I would say. Also, that made me remember one of the reasons I think I really was going to become polyam at some point. Is, so my dad's dad. <laughs> I'm allowed to laugh. Why do I bring know. this up in every fucking episode? I'm allowed to laugh at this. <laughs> Trauma. So my dad's dad. My mom and my dad were extremely monogamous. I mean, they moved to another country together. They had friends and stuff, but they were very much, you know, you are my one and only. You're my rock. That you're kind my of moon life. and my stars right, and my right. sun. And Turns so out my- the sun can go out. <laughs> Which it did. Uh <laughs> too dark yeah (laughs) no but when my dad passed my mom just had such such a hard time putting herself back together because she didn't have that community because she she had basically you know not watered the plants or whatever the garden of her other friendships and relationships as much because she was just so in our what's it called that family unit like the nuclear nuclear family yeah very much I have a husband, I have a child, this is where I'm going to spend 99% of my time. Turns out you can blow up the nuclear family. Right, and so when my dad passed, I just saw her go through that, and my entire life, I've never wanted that. I've never wanted to have that one person, because I know it can be taken away from you, which I know sounds morbid, but it's true. I experienced it, you know, through my mom, and I think that was a big contributor to me just naturally being more inclined to being non-monogamous, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think it also contributed highly to me. Well, my dad's alive. But Her dad is not dead. My dad is not <laughs> For dead. For the record. But I have seen as far as we know. a lot of friends get married, have kids, and like I never hear from them again. Or like they reach out and they're like, why haven't you hit me up? I'm like, we haven't talked in like a year. Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So... No hate to them. Like, you can do whatever you want in your relationship. It's interesting because you know, people use the argument of, well, they have kids. They're so busy now. I know polyamorous people and, you know, people in less intense, less in that less in that style of monogamous relationships that have kids and still regularly see their friends. And they'll invite people into their life. And they, they continue to have other relationships. And I think that's healthy. They have an excellent Google calendar. <laughs> We're also selling polyamory planners if you would like to buy some. The marketing degree is Hell yeah. Out. Okay, so to wrap it up. Well, we never just... got to why I became polyamory. Oh, why did you become polyamory? <laughs> and go. Um, actually almost went on like a day with a poly guy last year. And then this year, once I downloaded Field and I started talking to a bunch of people in this space. And then it became very clear to me that I'm like, Oh, I've always kind of treated like monogamous relationships as like arbitrary, like an mm-hmm. arbitrary go. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, do I actually want this? Do I actually care? And I realized I've never really cared about like physically sharing a partner. I'm not sure if it, give, it gives me like compersion per se. It's just sort of like, eh, we live short mm-hmm. lives. Do whatever you want, man. But I, I also think you've never been in a super long-term stable poly relationship either right so no, maybe that- neither have you <laughs> hey now hey now but no like i think 
talking to people in this space has made me very much like challenge my ideals mm-hmm. of monogamy and it made me realize like it's very arbitrary to me and like mm-hmm. I never really cared about it and I was like you know what as long as I'm a priority I don't care if I'm someone's top priority mm-hmm. because I've always been the type of person who has like lots of friends and like mm-hmm. I want to hang out with them too like I have other hobbies mm-hmm. like I want to spend time on my career and like stuff like that mm-hmm. and every like monogamous relationship I've been in has required so much time mm-hmm. that I'm like I can't provide this to you mm-hmm. so in like poly relationships now that I'm like okay I don't have to be your number one priority and you don't have to be my number one priority but as long as I'm a priority and like whatever expectations I've set up front at the beginning of the relationship are being met. Mm-hmm. And if they change, that's fine. As long as we have mm-hmm. like a conversation about it, then I'm like, I'm cool with it. Yeah. And based off that, that was my hypothesis about like how to handle poly relationships. Mm-hmm. And then I got into poly relationships yeah. and I'm like, yeah, that's basically how I handled it. Yeah. And it went fine until we'll talk about it in the next episode, breakup season. We'll probably put that one after the guest episode. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We're figuring also, it's out. interesting listening to you talk about it because I realized we're both pretty new to polyamory, actually. Yes, we are. You're a bit less I've new. I've dabbled in the E&M space for the past six years or so, but I would say being polyam, fully, actively polyam, is probably the last year or two for me. So I think a lot of this podcast, and I think this is going to be interesting, is going to be us just figuring out more about polyamory and how we exist in it and i think a lot of current poly podcasts are very much like the education type or the people who are like i've been in poly relationships for like six plus years and i have like two like very serious co-primaries or whatever how did you get there (laughs) exactly what have you learned yeah so i think it'll be interesting for us to figure out especially because we're coming from very different angles Mm -hmm. and i think People will appreciate that there's someone who's already partnered trying to figure it out mm-hmm. and then someone who's not partnered trying to yeah. figure it out. So, you know, we're really cool. Subscribe. Thank you. <laughs> I think like in general, I think casually dating as someone who was still monogamous at the time also helped. Mm. I was never E&M per se mm. because like casually dating doesn't require that conversation. Yeah. But there have been like times where I'm like, I definitely felt course correction mm-hmm. while I was casually dating because I felt like, oh, this person's missing A, and then I'll try to find someone who has A in the Mm -hmm. next casual date I find, but they were missing B, Mm -hmm. and then, like, so on and so forth. Yeah. And now I'm, like, I'm no longer trying to find that, like, 100% bullseye. In one person. Yeah. I have standards, thank you. But (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to hear that from you. (laughs) But it feels like it takes a lot less pressure off of them and me, too. Mm -hmm. Because I think, like, I don't know, with immigrant upbringing, we've both have, like, perfectionism drilled into us. For sure. So. You must be successful. You must be successful. You must be charismatic. You must Mm -hmm. be beautiful. You You must be, be like. You gotta be perfect. So I feel like going into, like, the poly world has made me less of a perfectionist and, like, less hard on myself, which Mm -hmm. is not something I really expected. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Because not that I'm, like, um, like, a sloppy mess. Please, a sloppy. Love me. (laughs) But it's very much, like. Okay, like, I'm not trying to find someone who's, like, 100%. And I also think that when I was trying to find someone who was, like, 100%, I was putting way too much, like, it was just, like, impossible. Yeah. 
And I was like, this is a lot of pressure to put on other people and on myself too. Yeah. Side question slash thought. I think it's interesting that, and we can talk about this more in another episode, but I've been uh, reading about third culture kids and it's kids that grew up as immigrants basically or with immigrant parents. Actually, I think it'd be interesting if we read that book together and did an episode on it. That would require us to finish reading it. I know. And tie it into polyamory. Yes. Yeah. But the idea is that people that are adopted, people that maybe don't have a big family, people that are immigrants, people that in some way didn't really have much of a community, like us in, in a way at least, I think we do. And queer people a lot of times strive for a chosen family of sorts oh yeah and i think polyamory goes hand in hand with that right because you're choosing people to love you're choosing people to have in your life and you want more people than the average person wants or whatever because they already have maybe a community and i think it's also interesting because we come from communal cultures but because we were immigrant kids like we were very much isolated right despite like having kind of that like communal vibe like drilled into Mm -hmm. us we didn't have it in reality and it's i think we can talk about this too in another episode but it's interesting that the idea of third culture kids is that you are an immigrant but you're not fully connected to that homeland culture and you're not fully connected to the culture you grew up in either you're kind of somewhere in between yeah so it's really hard to find people you fully connect with because of that and then like i would say a lot of people who grow up in like very traditional families either conform or they completely rebel yeah and i think we both did a bit of that and that comes with like a lot of like internal shaming and like Mm -hmm. social shaming and then like external shaming yeah and then finding the like poly and like kink spaces where like nobody's very judgmental at all Mm. and if they are they keep it to themselves Mm -hmm. it's very much like at the same time most of them are very white american yeah i mean so it's weird yeah yeah and then there's us the three of us who are adopted <laughs> and immigrants and, and fucked in the head. <laughs> but we're, right. we're making it. We're, we're making here. it. We are doing life. Speed we're round. fun people. All right. Speed, speed round. Speed round. Hello. We are going to do a speed round because we're basic. Speed round. So what would you do if a partner asked to close the relationship? Uh, I don't think I'd be down, honestly. I, I don't think I could do that at this point. Even if podcast called? Your yep. primary ask? I, I think it would be going against who I am and who I... It's not a phase, you know? Like, I think I'm just polyam. That's just who I am. What if you stay single and die alone? That would suck. <laughs> I guess that's a risk I'm taking. <laughs> it is a lot easier to date monogamous. At least I have my cats. True. What about you? Uh, I would say no. At this point, I can maybe do, like, emotional monogamy. Mm-hmm. But still, like, physical E&M. But uh, I just feel like I would really want to know the motivation for them closing the relationship. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a jealousy thing. Do you think we don't communicate enough? Am I, am I not giving you enough attention? Mm-hmm. Or, like, whatever. But if I was upfront about being poly, going into the relationship, yeah. and then they wanted to change it, I'd be like, eh, no. Yeah. Like, you know what you were getting into. Yeah, it's part of the package. All right, next question. How do you define commitment? Uh, Regular dates, regular communication, Mm -hmm. people who are upfront about their expectations for the relationship, how much they want to hang out, how much they want to talk. I would also say, like, down the line, a good degree of, like, emotional connection. Yeah. Yeah. And being... At least somewhat supportive in yeah. life in general. I 
would say, like, I would want to be, like, pretty close friends with my partner. Right. Yeah. Do you think you were friends with your partners? Yeah. I mean, even now I'm, well, nah. at least with mm. Lily, I'm definitely still, like, very close friends. We text almost every day. Do you think- And with her partners. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think a good sign of, like, how close you were friends-wise with a relationship after it ends is if you stay friends? I don't know, because the other two partners I recently broke up with, I felt pretty close with, but then they basically cut me out of their life once we broke up. So I don't know, but they're also men. Yeah. Yeah. How would you define commitment besides marriage? Mm. I don't even think marriage is my version of commitment. Like, I think we basically signed the papers because of taxes. Uh, It's a good reason to. Yeah. I mean, I don't believe that commitment is a thing that you have to do. You know, I think you can reevaluate a relationship every six months, every year, and just, you know, every week and just decide, do we still want to be in this together? I don't think it's fair for anyone to say, I'm going to be committed to this person forever. Because you don't know what you're going to feel in 10 years. Yeah. And like expectations, feelings change. Yeah. I would say like similar life goes. It's like a good sign of commitment. Yeah. Of being like, okay. And just feeling comfortable together. Yeah. When would you define the like partnership point? Like you're like, I want to be partners with this person. So this is interesting because I think I've learned a lot about that question with the relationships I had earlier this year, because everyone defines being a partner differently in the E&M space. And to some me, of them use it very loosely. Very. I think for me, a partner, and I'm still figuring it out, figuring out where the line is, but I think it's just someone that you have a converse- conversation at a certain point where you commit to spending a certain amount of time together every month or whatever and you want to be in each other's lives a certain amount and you you're you're past the are we gonna go on another day you know are we gonna hook up again you're past that phase you're you're in the no I want this person in my life regularly phase and you have the conversation with them and they agree I think at that point you're a partner yeah I would say well I think in like high school you immediately go to like are we do you want to be my girlfriend or boyfriend like immediately and then once you become an adult, it becomes sort of like, okay, we're going to date, and then we're going to be exclusive, and then mm-hmm. we're going to say we're boyfriend-girlfriend. No, first it's, we're talking. We're t- a talking stage. This is a situation, yeah, and then so keeps weird. going. But yeah. I would say, like, for me, it's three months. Even when I was monogamous, I was like, mm-hmm. I will not fully commit to being mm-hmm. someone's, like, girlfriend until, like, it's been three months. And yeah. that's carried over into poly for me. Yeah, that's fair. And that makes sense. I think that's about the mark where the point where you start really figuring out this person's not for me or, hey, I'm really into this person. Yeah, I learned my lesson after like many like one month like, oh, actually, we're super not compatible. Mm-hmm. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What does conflict resolution look like to you? I think I'll tackle this more from like how I handle like conflict with like my friends Mm because I haven't like really dealt with it in a long-term relationship. Although Bago and I were in a long-term like relationship and we're still friends. So maybe that counts. I don't know. It's sort of just like, hey, you have to be like willing to accept responsibility for what you did. Especially like I think every conflict, both people are at fault. Yeah. First, like somehow. In some way. In some way. Either like you did not communicate your expectations hard enough or like, I don't know. Actually, you were mostly at fault for your problem. But (laughs) in general, usually both parties have some kind of like minor thing at stake. It's sort of like, 
fuck, I'm upset with you, but, like, I did not communicate my needs mm-hmm. well enough, so, like, let me tell you. Yeah. And, and we if, made it through. Yeah. Eventually. I mean, we made it through, yeah. and then they and podcast made it through. So, like, podcast I think girl. conflict resolution is very possible. You both have to want it, and you both have to communicate through Yeah. It. And I think also understanding that different people have different communication needs. Not, yeah, just different forms of communication. For me... Like we talked about earlier, I come from a very loud and animated family, and that is how I talk, especially when I'm feeling feelings, when I'm angry, when I'm upset. You never yelled at me. Not yet. But you were also like 18, so maybe you hadn't come into your full like Russian grandma yelling vibes (laughs) yet. I am now a full Russian grandpa. Yeah, and Podcast God comes from a family that's a lot more quiet, restrained, you know, Southern, so they're, you gotta be polite and smile through it, even if shit's happening. Um, So we have very different communication methods when we're in conflict so just understanding hey i need to let this person walk away or hey i need to let this person yell or whatever it is for however you know long is reasonable to get to a place where you're both you know can logically reason through the conflict together yeah i grew up in a very passive aggressive family Mm. which i'm sure you know but um (laughs) i got a taste of that yeah my mom's (laughs) very passive aggressive and then my dad gives like silent treatments when he's mad Mm, he definitely did that shit to me i have learned over the years that just being like direct about what i'm mad about tends to result in like better conversations i think there's also a lot of shame of being got like i'm not allowed to be mad about this like i just need to suck it up and deal with it Mm -hmm. and now i'm like actually no i am mad and here's why right yeah i think that podcast god is working on that too just in terms of growing up not really being allowed to express himself in a lot of ways and then learning through the conflict we talked about where i cheated and he learned that yeah he can have emotions and he can express them and he can be in a space where that's accepted yeah for sure what does the happiest version of polyamory look like to you honestly i'm currently at a place and we'll talk more about this in the breakup season episode i'm currently in a place where i feel poly single and people say that when you might have a partner or two partners or whatever, but you're not at the the place you want to be where you feel like what you'll you, be happiest. What do we call people who are single, single? <laughs> you're single, single. You're just hey. lonely. <laughs> hey, I am not lonely. Thank you very much. But, you know, call me. I mean, you're kind of part of our polycule at this point. You're, I am. Your cats you're, love you're me. You're basically part of our family. Um, but I don't know. I, I think I'm poly single at, the, at this point. I had a taste of what I wanted earlier this year. I wouldn't say it was fully there, but I had four different partners at one point. I was getting... I'm a needy bitch. Okay. I was Did getting you not feel saturated? No. Wow. Okay. Maybe I would have if all those partners had given me the amount of attention I wanted from them. But That's hard to do. You're very needy. <laughs> I am very needy. But that's why I haven't gotten polysaturated. And by the way, polysaturated, if you don't know, is when you are at a point where you can't take on any additional partners, romantic partners, because you're at your limit, essentially. A lot of people have, like, very different sensitivity levels for polysaturation. Mm -hmm. Like, Lily, who will be a guest, has said that she's very easily, like, polysaturated. You are, like, the opposite. Yeah. Like... I'm I'm also just such an extrovert, and I get so attached to people. It's very easy for me. Even just friends, I get very attached to people, so I want to see more of them in my life. And other people don't necessarily get to that same level with me. So the more people I have around me, the more I feel like, okay, I'm getting the energy back that I'm giving out to the world. 
I think. Which is funny because a lot of the guys you're like, oh, I have an egg about him is because you think they're too clingy. <laughs> It's true. So you're like, I need them. I need a lot of attention, but they need to be just slightly detached. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Not just guys. All genders. All genders. You should. You, you got to be a little emotionally unavailable, you know, otherwise it's too much. I think you just want to date like 10 in- introverts. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I think my happiest virgin of polyamory would probably be like a polycule situation mm-hmm. or even like a virgin of like everyone lives on like a commune together mm-hmm. and like we help each other out but we all have like our separate spaces because some of y'all are And your separate relationships with you know whoever you're not Right. I think I don't polysaturate mm, I don't know. I feel like maybe I do polysaturate a little easily because I didn't date anyone. I, I kind of dated people with my mm-hmm. former partner, but like not very seriously. Yeah. So. And by the way, a polycule is a word of the day. <laughs> We've had a few of those. Polycule is, it can be any combination of people you're dating and their partners or your metas. And it's kind of like a little family unit. You don't necessarily need to be dating everyone in the polycule, right. but like you know of each other and your guys yeah, are friends your buddies your buddies poly yeah. buddies it's funny because i still feel like i'm in a polycule with my ex lily and her partner matt and my partner podcast god because we're all in a group chat together we all talk fairly regularly like i'm not in this group chat <laughs> she's very offended um, <laughs> we all i mean we still feel like it's the same it's just not a romantic thing anymore with me and my ex so i think that's like the nice thing about poly though it's that like you build relationships yeah. and they like stick around you for a while you can keep the people that you care about but you might just change the capacity in which you care about each other but you still care about each other deeply and that is in a nutshell i think ideal polyamory last couple questions what advice would you give a single person entering enm Learn all the definitions. There are so many fucking definitions. <laughs> There are. I think it's easier to enter the poly space if you know the terminology. Because yeah. a lot of people will be like, oh, I'm KTP. Or like, I'm parallel. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, I don't know what that means. But having the same language kind of helps you like set expectations. Right. Also, KTP is kitchen table where you like can sit around and like hang out. But they're like your metamorphs or your partner's partners. You know partners. your partner's partners. Yes. Yeah. Parallel is when you're like, fuck no. I right. don't want you know they anything exist. to do you know with they exist. my partner's partners. Yeah, there's still communication about that. But yeah, you don't want to meet them or whatever. Yeah. I would say terminology and then just like be very clear. Like I think coming from monogamy, you don't really like set relationship expectations because you're kind of just like, oh, I'm going to spend all my time with this person. Mm-hmm. But like when you're going to poly be like, okay, this is the minimum I want to spend with this person. This is the minimum amount of communication I require. There's a lot of people in Polly who are bad texters. Yeah. Cough, cough, podcast god. <laughs> Terrible texter. We're actually pretty good texters, yeah. which is why. We talk like every day. We talk every fucking day. <laughs> which is probably why this podcast happened. Exactly. So I would just be like, interrogate your own like beliefs about like how you think like mm-hmm. a relationship should go and like what you need out of it. Yeah. And last question. Have people approached you about being poly or ENM? Yes. I think that's the major reason why we wanted to make this podcast happen because not a lot of people are very vocal about it just in the mainstream world. And we know a lot of people. We have a lot of friends that have just gotten curious about it from us talking about it. Yeah. Or they will be like, oh, that's an option, which is very much like what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Coming from, like, this space of it being, like, a fictional concept to, like, it being reality yeah. is going, like, oh, there are real fucking people who do this. Yeah. And then you meet them and you're, like, 
oh they're really like normal yeah you like, can make it happen you can make it work for you however you need it to work yeah all right speed round over we love sharing our polyamorous journeys with others so thank you for listening please leave a review on whatever you use to listen to podcasts and tell your friends to check us out. Hit subscribe to join the community and tune in next time for our first guest episode. You can also follow us on Instagram and leave us a note at enemies to lovers podcast, the number two, not the word. Our email is the same handle at gmail.com. And a big thank you to our producer, the podcast, podcast God, God, who also was an unintentional guest today. Yeah, I think that's going to happen. And that's a wrap. We did it. Don't leave me hanging. Wait, that was bad. Hell yeah. You said that last night too. Ah! <laughs> Not to me, by the way. <laughs> we were enemies. Enemies to lovers. Thanks for sticking around. Here's a blooper reel, if you're still here. If you were alive when Britney Spears was on their charts, you better be stretching like 30 minutes a day. Just saying. <laughs> ah. <laughs> I think I'm a soprano. I did choir for like a year in fifth grade. Right after my dad died. <laughs> when, the, when the nuclear family bombed itself. And I became Polly. That's my true origin story.